Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Hello, everybody. I'm JT, and this is Grilling at the Green. As you know, the Portland Classic wrapped up a week or so ago, and today we're going to be talking with one of the sponsors, the golf course superintendent, along with Dr. Chaz from the Oregon State University Turf Sciences uh, Program, and Mark Gans, the CEO of Tournament Golf Foundation. Our thanks goes out to Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended for supporting Grilling at the Green. So let's get the ball rolling with Tim Novotny from the Oregon Crab Commission, one of the sponsors of the Portland Classic. I got that all right? You did. You all right. nailed it. And you said you didn't bring me any crab today. Nope, just the, the big old inflatable that's sitting over in the food court. Uh, Louis, that's actually little Louie. We've got three different size inflatables, and that's the little guy. I thought, yeah, last year up at the up on the hill there in Westland, you had a bigger Louie, I think. Actually, it was the same one. We just had him propped up a little higher on a table, but uh, we went without the table this year. I got it. Okay. So when, when a, an event like the Portland Classic um, comes to the Crab Commission and you have to weigh the value of being involved with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about dollars and you're not a private company. You've got to, if somebody really wants to look, they can look, mm-hmm. you know, in the book, so to speak. How do you do that? And then you tell me what you think the value is with being af- affiliated with like um, the Portland Classic. That's a great question, Jeff. And and we start, first of all, by having uh, a subcommittee of our board that helps me out a great deal. Uh, the other thing is that uh, we are charged with enhancing the image of Oregon Dungeness Crab, and, and we can do that a number of different ways. Uh, one of the ways is uh, even in the down season, right now we're in the off season, uh, is by trying to align ourselves with other partners of quality. Sure. And, uh, you know, so we look first... Uh, is this a, a partner of quality? Uh, we look to find out, is this match the uh, kind of our, our target demographic, uh, which uh, uh, generally is, uh, you know, we're looking for people who are, are foodies, uh, people who are, um, you know, enjoy Oregon Dungeness Crab, can, right. can uh, get a chance to get to Oregon Dungeness Crab uh, uh, when they are available. Uh, and then the other thing we like to find is if we can find partners that are um, also going to be contributing in some way to the community around. And, uh, you know, that's something that we try to do. And so if we can find a partner that uh, also contributes to the community, uh, that's a win-win for us. And, and the Portland uh, Classic has a, a long history whether it's bringing in young golfers to learn or um, through some of their other partners giving back to the community in various ways over the course of their lifetime, that was something that was appealing to us as well. you got to start them early. 
not just from golf, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of a foodie guy, as you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to start them early on on good quality food if you can, and not be afraid to try things. And I think that's a, a marvelous position for the Crab Commission. To that was take. exactly that was an, that that lined up very well. The thing, one of the things that the uh, LPGA event here in Portland tries to do is to uh, reach out to young golfers, young. Uh, female golfers in this case, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, trying to grow the game uh, from youth on up, and we're trying to grow our our image and our fan base uh, for Oregon Dungeness Crab from youth on up. And so, again, it, it just kind of really lined up well uh, with what they're trying to do and what we're trying to do, and it, it just uh, made uh, an uh, ideal sense for us to partner with that kind of uh, uh, an organization. No samples, though. We have a little bit. We do bring a little bit, but it's in the off-season. Samples can be a little bit hard to come by because Oregon Dungeness Crab is a a finite resource uh, off of Oregon's coast. They are still uh, uh, catching them up north a little bit at this point of the year, but for uh, Oregon Dungeness Crab, our season goes from December 1st to August 14th. Well, December 1st, God willing, when we start. Right. Uh, and then it ends up August 14th. And so uh, in the off season, it can be a little di- difficult to find. But we were able to scra- uh, scrape together a little bit to bring out for the pairings dinner to uh, share with some folks. And uh, this year as well, uh, with some help from one of our other uh, partners, Pacific Seafood, we were sure. able to bring some crab out to the uh, champions uh, tent for uh, the Sunday uh, event wrap up. I'm trying to think how I can wiggle my way. In <laughs> You're there still trying to get some. <laughs> I'm still trying to get some crab there. I, I uh, we can probably find you somebody. We may have to wait a little bit till the, yeah. till the season rolls around again. But I think we could probably find a sample. We do like to get out and get uh, people. To try uh, Oregon Dungeness crab, especially people who uh, haven't had a chance to try it or, or haven't had it in a while to, you know, kind of make that love connection happen once right. again. You know, one of the things we've done in the uh, pre-pandemic era that we're looking forward to maybe being able to get back to again, they used to have a crab day down at the Oregon Aquarium in Newport, and we used to come out with uh, a little... Uh, bag of fry legs, uh, yeah. the, the muscular arm part of the crab, and especially try to find the youngsters who are coming through and see if they wanted to give it a try. And it, you know, it's it's hit or miss sometimes when they're young. Sure. But uh, if you can find one who's willing to give it a try, and and if they like it at that point, like you said, if you can get them uh, at, at an early age, whether it's uh, golf at, at the LPGA event or whether it's uh, a fry leg at the Oregon Dungeness uh, Crab Commission or at the uh, Oregon Aquarium, you can get a fan for life at that point. Well, I, I like the way you, um, you know, you picked a quality event. I mean, I know you guys get hit with tons of requests every day. Anybody who's in any type of management or business, there's so many events, a lot of charity events. Most all of them are very worthwhile, but it is hard to make the final selection. But you're right, I think, just in an overview, is that the Crab Commission's mission, if you will, or part of its mission, goes hand-in-hand with the LPGA, too, with all the things they do. It really does. And, you know, it's uh, we are blessed among the four seafood commodity commissions uh, that we have had some success in recent years 
uh, we are our commission is fully funded by the fishermen. Uh, right. That's uh, you know something that you know we don't want to lose sight of that all of these partnerships are are basically uh, courtesy of the 420 some permit holders that go and fish in uh, the most uh, egregious of elements. It's uh, pretty and, tough out there in yeah, those months. Yeah, and they come in and and they put one percent of that uh, value that they bring in into the Oregon Dungeness Crab Commission to allow us to run and a portion of that then we go and try to find uh, where we can help continue to find uh, marketing partnerships and uh, sponsorships and sponsorships has been fairly new for us uh, at least on a on a grander scale but one of the ideas behind that was to find uh, the uh, emotional connections that come with being a part of things that other people care about. Right. And those can tend to be lifelong uh, memories. Those can be lifelong uh, partnerships when, when you step up and you make a commitment to help uh, support something that is important to somebody else. Right. Like the LPGA Portland event is to so many people or like... Uh, some of the uh, events like the uh, Portland Seafood and Wine Festival are or whether it's the ducks and the beavers are to so many people if you can go beavers if you can be a if you can be a part of that uh, the people who uh, are uh, find those uh, groups or those teams uh, an important part of their life and they see that you're stepping up uh, to help them out, they, uh, uh, they, that's not lost on them. They, no. they stay with you a lot longer, uh, through thick and thin. And, uh, right now, you know, fortunately we've had some thick, but, uh, you know, thin's always right around the corner and we're hoping that, uh, you know, through these types of events, they'll be with us when thin comes knocking at the door. You know, I've, Tim, I've been fortunate to travel a great deal in my life. And, of course, when people find out I'm from Oregon, they have all kinds of reality thoughts, uh, if you will, conceptions and misconceptions, I will say, about the Northwest. One of the things that I found out, especially when I've spent a lot of time on the East Coast and stuff, you say I'm from Oregon, and of course they say Oregon or Oregon, <laughs> you know, yeah. like that. But when you're talking to people that um, eat stone crab or blue crab or whatever on the East Coast, and then you say, well, I'm from Oregon, and we have the Dungeness. And unless they're really a hardcore, you know, blue crab guy, so to speak, they go, oh, man, that is the best. That is the sweetest crab in the world. And, well, you're not going to get an argument out of me, <laughs> you know. That is true. Do you find yourself, <coughs> excuse me, in competition at times with other uh, crab commodities up and down the coast or even from the East Coast or the Gulf? Or? I think you have to take that viewpoint. I think you have to. Uh, uh, I, I do. I, I believe, uh, you know, the men and women of the industry have to uh, take that viewpoint. You're always, I mean, we believe uh, we're, you know, at the top. Right, but uh, unless you are always out there and get a chance to remain in front of uh, the consumer, um, you know what I you know what I've said is you know look we're you know 
we are a outstanding um, uh, dining option, but we're not there all the time because we're we're seasonal. Uh, the price can be up and down at times. We're you know that's just being uh, up front. We're not milk. You know yeah. people uh, people have to have milk all the time. They can learn to get by with some of the luxuries uh, without some of the luxuries, and we want to always uh, keep that in the forefront. That and that's why we. Uh, take the role of the commission, in, you know, so importantly, uh, because we have to remind them that Oregon Dungeness crab is, as you say, the the uh, most delicious, most uh, uh, sweet, tasty of the crab items out there. It goes with so many different uh, menu items. It's delicious on its own. But if you're if it's not around uh, and someone tries one of those other options, uh, they can get you know comfortable with that, yeah. and uh, and and they can forget about us. And our job at the commission is to uh, not let them forget about us. When I go to the coast, there's a little inside baseball from the cowboy cook. That's not the name I go by on this show, but get to the hotel or the house, depending on which part of the coast we go to. Everybody's tucked in. Everybody's good television's on dinner plans are made and then i take off and go find some crap that's my deal so my wife likes it but she can't eat a whole lot of it that doesn't bother me uh you know i'll usually buy uh at least a pound if not two pounds of crack crab i have my own cocktail sauce recipe and uh especially on those stormy rainy crappy winter saturdays you know you're <laughs> up there and you, and you don't want to battle people in in Long Beach or Gearhart or Cannon Beach or something, I'm just there watching an old John Wayne movie or a golf match from someplace sunny and eating my crab. And that's the way. That's my life, right there, Tim. I'm telling you, it's all good. You're you're uh, you're one of our uh, golden consumers, right there. I think <laughs> you're, you're the golden ticket that we look for. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, that's part of it. Is uh, you know, and that's one of the other advantages with Dungeness crab over a, a lot of the other. Uh, crab choices that are out there is that uh, you know it, it it literally could be eaten breakfast lunch and dinner uh, you can you know either by itself or in a variety of different menus and not not a lot of crab uh, options out there that can say the same thing no uh, they have strengths and they have uh, weaknesses and it's really uh, hard to find a weakness in uh, Oregon Dungeness crab I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your um you know your sustainable harvesting practices mm-hmm. um that i mean we're all cognizant of those issues now not just for crab but pretty much everything uh especially if it's comes from the ocean or it's you know something other than than hogs or cattle right. you know like that but has that made a difference to to not just you folks that work with the crab commission but to consumers when they finally figured out, because I know you've been, uh, and the Department of uh, Fish and Wildlife, you know, you guys must work kind of hand in hand on certain yep. things. Um, but when they find out about these sustainable practices, does that people go, okay, good, I'll I'll, I'll buy some crab now? I think by and large, uh, you know, it's more and more that has been the truth. Uh, maybe right. not always been the truth, but more and more. Uh, as you say, sustainability has been something that 
the average consumer. You know, maybe before that was kind of a niche uh, niche consumer. Sure. Uh, but more and more, the average consumer is taking sustainability seriously. We've always. Uh, our industry, our fishermen have always understood that sustainability was going to be important because, again, it's a uh, a finite resource, and you 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 don't want to uh, lose that. They, you know, they've uh, the fishermen now are a lot of them are family, you know, second or third generation right. family fishermen, and they want to have the fishery out there for their children, their grandchildren, and so. Uh, making sure it remains a sustainable fishery is very high on their priorities. Uh, and, and ODFW, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, uh, is managers of the fishery. Uh, the fishermen work closely with them. Our commission works closely with them to f- constantly examine, re-examine how uh, things are going, what can be done differently, what should be done differently. And trying to maintain that uh, uh, reputation that has been hard-earned and hard-won to uh, continue to maintain a sustainable fishery for generations to come. Well, like I said, and they are hardy souls. Um, I, I have a connection with uh, with fisheries in general on the Oregon and the Washington coast, and the crabbers, you know, when you see deadliest catch, we're not quite that bad as being in the Bering Straits. But at times in December and January, it can be pretty close. Yeah. No, it, it is, uh, you know, it, it's it's something we try to, you know, at times downplay while at the same time never forgetting how difficult this job is. And, you know, even uh, we, we a few years back, they focused uh, one of the deadliest catch seasons on uh, the Oregon fishery, uh, Dungeons Co- Dungeness Cove. And, uh, you know, even some of the fishermen that, you know, uh, cat, you know, routinely fish uh, the bearing will, will say one of the things that they don't have to do that our fishermen have to do is, is handle uh, crossing bars and, yeah. and uh, the terrible weather. Uh, and that's, that's the truth. I mean, this is a, uh, it's still largely a derby fishery, which means, you know, you try to catch as much as you can. Um, before the other guy does, and yeah. and uh, you to do that at times you you push things to the limit in really bad conditions. Uh, again, with the help of the uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife, with the help of the Oregon Department of Agriculture, in the past uh, uh, working on helping maintain a, a safe start uh, with the U.S. Coast Guard and. Uh, the the brilliant and, and selfless work that they do up and down the coast, uh, you know, we've made huge strides in in becoming a, a safer fishery. Yes. But it is uh, no less dangerous than it's ever been. Well, it's no less dangerous because you're out there tinkering around with Mother Nature, and sometimes she gets cranky. Yeah. She, it, and she'll whoop your ass yeah. if, if she gets too cranky. <laughs> to, to say the least. And the yes. other thing is, um, people listening to this, uh, you know, if you've got a couple of crab bot, pots and you're on a, uh, uh, you know, a little private fishing boat and you're dumping them in the bay, good for you. If you think you want to be a commercial crabber, take it from your host here. You do not. <laughs> and the other thing is, you have to win the lottery financially to be able to afford the equipment to get into the fishery that's expensive boats expensive commercial pots expensive motors wenches riggings the whole deal 
Exactly, and that and that's one of the things. It's one of the um, misconceptions at times that you know we deal with, um, while at the same time trying to remain sustainable, trying to remain good stewards of the sea. Uh, we have, uh, you know, right now we have this year we added a second derelict gear program. Uh, derelict, two derelicts in one year. Two derelicts. We did a one in season program <laughs> and one out of season. We're trying to maintain it. We're trying to stay out of the way of, of whales. And uh, and so to do that, we have to go get gear. And uh, it's not that the gear is being left haphazardly. Uh, it, as you say, the weather is bad. Yeah. And when the weather gets really bad, it at times we'll move these pots around. And to your point, these are expensive pots. Uh, the fishermen in no way... Uh, willingly leave uh, gear oh, no. that they no, can't no. that they can't afford to have to find new gear for when, uh, uh, especially if they've got um, potentially have uh, you know pretty pricey crab in that gear. Uh, we do have some of our sustainable mem- uh, methods include escape rings for the smaller crab and a biodegradable. Uh, cotton uh, twine on the crab so that that'll eventually erode over time. So if uh, they move and have crab in it, that uh, twine will uh, degrade and, and allow the crab to escape so there's no ghost fishing. Okay. But in the meantime, that, that doesn't help the fishermen who are out some very pricey gear in the meantime. So Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, what do I want to call it? Uh, an amateur crab pot is... Hundred hundred fifty dollars, something like that. You can put a couple zeros behind that. I'm sure for the commercial pots, it, it can get up there. It can get up there, especially when you're uh, adding in the uh, length of line and and yeah. the buoys and the uh, the just to, like I said, the the potential product that's in there. Uh, yeah, it, it's not not uh, uh, something it's not that, cheap. Not cheap. Not something you can just go and. Uh, get a you know a little extra out for the weekend and and go and do that with those types of pots okay so uh this is a golf show yes how's your golf game my golf game is uh are we being honest you can be whatever you want i was to gonna say i, I it's could gonna say depend if you make the cutting room floor well not. i was gonna say i've played bandon dunes Ooh. I haven't played it well. I guess would be the the, yeah. the, the next thing. I uh, the very first time somebody invited me to go play band and dunes, I was like, I, I, you know, I play. I used to play a lot when I was younger, and I've yeah. played sporadically since. And I thought I don't want to go embarrass myself in, at band and dunes. And I went out and uh, the course, you know, the course is difficult. The weather makes it much tougher. And I looked at it and I thought. Okay, I can fit right in here. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to know that I'm not doing this on purpose. Right. Uh, I just fit right in. So, uh, great co- courses down there. This is a beautiful course. Uh, my first time to even get a chance to see this course up oh, yeah. here, and uh, I would love the opportunity to uh, to look bad on it. Um, well, maybe you know, we can make that happen for you. Well, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, sometime I would love to to to. I, I, got to get out and practice a little bit i told uh, i was talking to somebody the other day uh, uh one of the partners up here and and i said uh i when i did the the time i got out to bandon i was working uh with someone who uh, had some opportunities to get to courses and i had a, the clubs in the trunk and i would always be ready to go sure and then for four years i had the clubs in the trunk 
and basically just chauffeured them all over the state <laughs> and never got them out of the trunk. And my wife kept saying, can you just take them out and give up, you know, yeah. give up the dream? It's not happening, and, and we can't, we have nowhere to put the groceries. And so now they're in storage, but they're still right along the highway on the on the coast. So it's, it's not Good much to, to jump off the highway, grab the clubs, and go. Uh, if the opportunity arises. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see what we can do about getting, <laughs> getting you up here to Columbia Edgewater to uh, to play around. Uh, last question, Tim. What is your favorite crab dish or uh, something you make at home that I see your boss is sitting over there. He's looking up his uh, <laughs> his favorite crab dish on his cell phone. But what, what about you? Well, the uh, probably... There's so many good ones. Probably the the easiest, and, and and it's probably in the top three of my favorite dishes. And it's definitely the easiest one for me to make is just a simple crab melt. You know, get some, uh, get an English muffin, toast that English muffin up. You get some uh, crab meat, and uh, if you're willing to pay a little extra, you can get it pre-picked uh, by the professionals. I always say, right, and you get that with. Uh, you know, a little bit of a, a mayonnaise base, uh, but you can kind of get a, experiment around with how much you want to put in that. Uh, the, we always say the less is the better. You don't want right. to overpower the taste of the, of the natural taste of the Dungeness. Um, maybe a little celery stock in there. Uh, mix that together, and you put it on the uh, already toasted English muffin. You add a little bit of uh, Tillamook cheddar cheese or... Uh, whoever your favorite brand of cheddar cheese is, set that on there and just put it under the broiler for about eh, maybe 45 seconds, get a little meltiness on that, and you're good to go. It's uh, it, it's easy to make, fast to make, and just dynamite. I'll tell you a quick story before we sign off here. When I was a kid, and it's still there uh, in the um, Oregon City Gladstone area here in Portland, there was a restaurant called Gigi's. It was kind of a deli. But they basically did uh, lunch and or breakfast and lunch. I think it stayed open till dinner, but you know. And they had a crab a crab sandwich. And uh, my uncle and aunt took me there, and they said, "Well, you like crab?" I said, "Well, yeah, but I've only had it a couple times. I mean, I was pretty small." Okay, well, what are the crab sandwich? So it was sourdough, crab, melted cheese. The crab had a, a little mayo, like you said, a little um, a little celery in it. I think maybe a touch of onion. I'm not sure, uh, but the, and then you know, melted of course on the griddle with that. I've been making that sandwich for over 50 years. Oh wow! Because I just love it. Yeah. And when I can't find, you know, crab if it's not available right then, I'll buy some bay shrimp and make it. Yeah. And it's. It, like you said, it's uh, it's a although five minutes. It, although pick. we call that in Oregon, we call that Oregon pink shrimp. But, uh, pink shrimp. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my boss will. I can hear him saying that right <laughs> over my shoulder. Is that why he was mouthing certain words yes, over there at prob- you? Yeah. Probably. Um, five minute sandwich, really. Yeah. Five. I mean, you can start. You can have it. You can have it on the plate within ten minutes, and you'll just founder yourself. But man, is it good. Oh. That's dynamite, yeah. yeah, and it's very similar. Very, yeah, yeah, very similar. And uh, and it's really like you know, I always say, I, if I can make it, you can make it. I am uh, I am a better golfer than I am a cook, and that 
uh, if you heard about me just a second ago, that'll tell you a lot. Uh, so <laughs> if I can do this, uh, you can do it out there. Don't let uh, don't let the crab scare you. At no, all. no, uh, not at all. Uh, Tim, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, uh, it was it's outstanding. my pleasure. Uh, Novotny? Novotny, you got it. it. Tim Novotny from the Oregon uh, Dungeness Crab Commission. Uh, We will be back with more Grilling at the Green and our wrap-up from the uh, Portland Classic out here at Columbia Edgewater after this. Please stay with us.